Welcome to the 22nd episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition, we focus on college basketball, including a look back at last week's most significant games, the outlook for the NCAA tournament bubble, and a discussion of the conference tournaments that finish this weekend or on Monday. Let's jump right in and start with a look back of some of last week's most significant games in college basketball. There's a lot of them as we're heading down the home stretch of the end of the regular season with a lot of NCAA tournament implications, conference championship implications, and teams on the bubble or hoping to climb on it or hoping not to fall off it. So a long list of games this week. We will start with Friday, last Friday's matchup that had uh, bubble implications. St. Louis beat Richmond 72-67. St. Louis and Richmond were in my next four out uh, as of the start of that game, although St. Louis was higher up as the fifth team out of the tournament. Richmond was the seventh team. This ended up moving St. Louis to in the first four out, and Richmond moved off the bubble entirely. All right, and let's go to Saturday's slate of action. We'll start with Davidson upsetting VCU 65-57. Davidson is not currently in the tournament picture. Uh, they they would only be able to get in with the auto bid from their tournament or maybe some significant help from other teams. However, VCU losing is very important because it's just another chink in their armor that might put them down a little bit later on, When but they are still in the last four buys category. Number three, Michigan beat Indiana 73-57. Indiana needs wins desperately. They were my first team out as of after this game, actually, still. However, that is, again, I've talked about it. I talked about it last podcast. You can't be a 500 team and expect to just have your big wins push you into the tournament. So that loss, pushing them under 500, I believe, on the year, maybe, maybe on to 500 is is not good for them. And it also set up another big bubble game for Indiana later in the week that we'll get to. Number 18, Texas Tech beat number 14, Texas 68-59. That will be very important for seeding coming down the line. Uh, unfortunately, though, Texas Tech, even though they're a top 20 team in the country, is still in a play-in game for in, the big 10, in the Big 12 tournament. Auburn upset number 25, Tennessee, 77-72. Tennessee continues their struggles. Auburn was playing well for a little bit, but seemed to cool off. Uh, not really a great team that, to lose to. Honestly, very surprising, but Tennessee's really tanking their seeding with these recent results. In another game featuring a ranked team that's struggling, number 5, Illinois, not struggling, beat number 23, Wisconsin, 74-69. Wisconsin just can't seem to beat a good team. They've lost their last six games against ranked teams. Uh, Illinois was without Io Dunsumu in this game and still was able to beat Wisconsin despite, I think, 20 turnovers and despite Demetric Trice scoring 19 points in 2 minutes and 12 seconds at the end of the game for Wisconsin. This game was really not close until Wisconsin decided to start fouling with 2 minutes left. Uh, but other than that, Illinois just played a pretty great game without their without their best player. Number 20, Arkansas beat LSU 83-75. Uh, this one more of an expected result. Uh, Arkansas playing really well down the stretch of the season. They've been really, really good since getting Justin Smith back from his injuries. And uh, LSU, on the other hand, sitting at currently an 8 or 9 seed. They're not on the bubble, but they're not exempt from going on to it with another loss or two. Oklahoma State upset number 7, Oklahoma, 94-90 in overtime. This was a great game, one of the best games of the year. Kate Cunningham scored 40 points, probably solidified the number one draft pick for him. But uh, in other cases, it was important because Oklahoma State really moved up on the seed lines, probably moved up from a 6 to a 5 in this game, and then they actually played each other again later on. 
Number 22, San Diego State beat Boise State 62-58. This solidified the Mountain West Conference in San Diego State's hands over Boise State, barring them losing in their next game and a Colorado State win. They will win the regular season ter- the regular season championship, although that doesn't matter because it does not give you the auto bid, but they should be pretty safe in the tournament too. North Carolina continues to play well of late, upsetting number 11 Florida State 78-70. This was a signature win that North Carolina needed on their resume to move out of consideration for the last four buys category and up into the safely in the field kind of a deal. Uh, probably sitting at nine seed at that point because that was a very big win, although later in the week they might, they started to struggle. Xavier upset number 13, Creighton, 77-69. Another case of a signature win for a team. Xavier, although in their case, is just staying, keeping them in the last four in. So not as big of a deal, but still definitely important. Number 17, Kansas upset. Number 2, Baylor, 71-58. This game was huge for seeding because Kansas gets literally the best win of the season by any team, considering that Baylor is the highest-ranked team to be knocked off. Obviously, Gonzaga is number 1 and hasn't lost a game yet. So nobody has the win over Baylor but Kansas, and they keep that best win to themselves. Very, very quality win, obviously. Probably moves them up a seed line or two, actually, almost up into the four seeds. Utah upset number 19, USC, 71-61. USC continues their downward spiral from a a possible four-seed contender, probably down around the six-seed range at this point. And finally, Saturday, Nebraska upsetting Minnesota, 78-74. For some reason, Nebraska is just making sure to play completely in spite of the Big Ten getting in double-digit teams into the tournament. Uh, They don't want Minnesota in, and they later in the week actually pulled off another upset that we'll get to. But Nebraska had not won a game in a very long time, is easily the worst team in the Big Ten, but this just shows how competitive the Big Ten is that Hey, if you want to go by transitivity, you could say Nebraska's the best because they beat Minnesota, who beat Michigan. We should mention, as always, that Patrick Seating reflects his bracket predictions as of the end of last Saturday's games. So now let's move on to Sunday's action. Butler upset number 8 Villanova, 73-61. This matchup has no bearing whatsoever on Butler because they are way out of the tournament with a losing record. But it could give them some confidence to maybe steal a bid by winning the Big East tournament. And it knocks down Villanova's seeding. Number nine, Iowa upset number four, Ohio State, 73-57. Iowa moves back into the contention for a two seed with this win, and Ohio State moves down from the one line to the two line uh, below Illinois, actually, at this point under after that loss. Uh, generally, Iowa's just playing really well right now after that loss to Michigan. This was their revenge game for that. Luca Garza play, played really well. And in a game with big bubble implications, Maryland beat Michigan State 73-55. A, team, a win I would say both these teams really needed to have, although Maryland would have just been slipping onto the bubble with that loss, uh, whereas Michigan State just, they don't improve their situation on the bubble with this loss. So Maryland, I would say they were at around a 500 record, yet still in, in the tournament picture because all their losses were two good teams. And they actually haven't lost a game outside of quad one in the season. So their resume is amazing. They've now won five in a row because they had a really front-heavy schedule. They're now playing some of the weaker teams, and they're kicking all of them. (laughs) All right, let's move to Monday's games where Dayton upset St. Bonaventure 55-52. Dayton may be moving back up in a bubble consideration a little bit if they they were able to put together a performance in the A-10. We'll get to what happened with that later. 
Uh, and St. Bonaventure still still ends up winning the A-10 regular season, still in auto bid in the auto bid slot right now, and probably above VCU on the last four buys. St. Joseph's upset Richmond, 76-73. This is the nail in the coffin for Richmond. They they, they would have to win the A-10 tourney out after this loss. They were on the bubble still. I actually misstated that. They were still on the bubble as of last Saturday. But this loss is the one that moved them completely off the bubble. All right, and as you hinted at before, Nebraska upset Rutgers, 72-51. Rutgers was nowhere near the bubble, but is now flirting with it a little bit after this loss. It's a blowout loss even to the worst team in the Big Ten. Not a good look. And then a rematch that you also foreshadowed, number 17-ranked Oklahoma State following their upset of Oklahoma over the weekend beat now number 16 Oklahoma 79-75 to get the sweep of the back-to-back. The rankings changed a lot in this game from unranked versus number 7 to 17 versus 16. Um, but Oklahoma State proving maybe they should have been ranked 16th to start with. Uh, and they get the win over Oklahoma. All right, let's move to Tuesday's action where number 3 Baylor beat number 6 West Virginia 94-89 in overtime. Another great game, one of the best games of the year. Big high-profile matchup. West Virginia still stays in the 2 seed though. And Baylor, however, jumps Michigan because of the next result. Yeah, the other marquee matchup of the week, number four, Illinois, upset number two, Michigan, 76-53. Again, crazy win without without Io Dunsumu, Illinois' best player. Uh, Illinois really actually playing, it seems like, with more effort, especially on the defensive end while he's out. I think they know that they have to compensate for his talent by playing with more effort, and they're definitely doing that. Michigan had their worst game of the year, definitely at the wrong time. Tuesday's action continued with Georgia Tech beating Duke 81-77 in overtime. We mentioned this matchup was an, a win-and-you're-in situation, and the team who lost would not be in the greatest position, although I think we can both agree that Duke, if they had lost, would be by far in a worse position than if Georgia State did, Georgia Tech did, and they did lose, so here we are. Another game we talked about being win-and-you're-in, Michigan State beat Indiana 64-58. Michigan State adds another pretty good win on their resume, although it's not a quad one win. It is still very a very good win over a very good team. I think the committee doesn't necessarily only see the numbers. They know the teams themselves, too. Uh, whoever is tasked with knowing the Big Ten for this year on the committee definitely takes that win into account. And another game in the Big Ten, Tuesday night, number 23, Purdue, beat number 25, Wisconsin, 73-69. Again, Wisconsin continues to struggle. They let a, they let a freshman, uh, continuing their issues with guarding big men, let a freshman get his career high for, of 21 points, uh, Zach Eady. And Purdue's really playing well, actually. And again, I will also note that uh, the uh, Patrick's bracket predictions are, as of the end of Tuesday's games, as we look forward and move to Wednesday's action, number 10, Villanova. Beat number 14, Creighton, 72-60. Villanova, uh, the most important thing in this game is not seeding for either team, but the fact that Villanova lost their best player in point guard, Colin Gillespie. They might end up as a three seed, but they will probably get bounced by their six seed in their region. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the NCAA tournament uh, deals with Villanova's injury situation and a lot of situations, COVID pauses, et cetera, are going to be very interesting selection Sunday coming up next Sunday. Moving on, Syracuse beat Clemson 64-54. This result was very important because I actually forgot to mention Syracuse. They were the ninth team out, you could say, uh, although it's not ever listed. They were the ninth team out when we talked about our when we talked about the bubble on the last podcast. And they actually got two quality wins this week that pushed them onto the bubble and in actually a decent position. They have a chance to make the tournament now. 
Missouri beat Florida 72-70. Uh, just an important match for seeding in SEC tournament games. Nothing real, nothing really big to discuss here. Uh, uh, however, this game does. UConn beat Seton Hall 69-58. If Seton Hall had won this game, I think they would. I I I think this would be the best outcome for the Big East as a conference because it would guarantee probably these both UConn and Seton Hall getting in. Uh, since Seton Hall lost the game, UConn moves up a little bit on the last four buys category ahead of VCU, and Seton Hall moves to the first team out of the tournament. Penn State beat Minnesota 84-65. Yeah, Minnesota continues to tumble. This, this one is, uh, they're not on the bubble anymore at this point, but I think I keep including these games because we know that they do have the talent to be better than a bubble team, frankly. I mean, earlier in the season, they were ranked as high as probably number 15, so they Had definitely have, yeah, they definitely had the talent though. So it is still important to mention that because they could have made a run in the Big Ten tournament. St. John's defeated Providence eighty-one sixty-seven. St. John's needs these wins. They were on the bubble, but never quite really made it in safely to the tournament. Had a few losses after that that set them back. They're going to need to win out probably and win two or three games in the Big East tournament. Moving back to the Big Ten, Northwestern upset Maryland sixty fifty-five. Maryland finally stops their hot streak. They had one, I think, six in a row, dead at least five in a row prior to that. So they are still in a good position tournament-wise, although they might be moving towards that last four buys and bubble category now. And then we'll end Wednesday's recap with two games in the Pac-12 of significance. Oregon beat UCLA 82-74. Oregon takes over the number one spot in the Pac-12 standings <laughs> for now after all the craziness of USC losing so many games. And UCLA now will have to beat USC and hope for an Oregon loss to get the title. And USC did manage to get a win, hammering Stanford 79-42. Stanford was on a great pace to the season. They were 14-8, and but they have now lost four in a row due to some injuries, and they really have no shot of making the tournament, sadly. All right, wrapping things up with Thursday's action, Duquesne upset Richmond. 67-62 in the Atlantic 10 Conference Tournament. I said earlier there was a nail in the coffin moment. This loss is absolute nail in the coffin. I think this is the first team we can say from a decent conference that was anywhere in the conversation that is definitely out. And Oklahoma State got a reality check as they faced number three Baylor and lost 81-70. Yeah, I can't, can't really beat Baylor. Uh, the big news in this game is that Cade Cunningham turned his ankle on one of the final plays of the game. Hope he's okay, obviously, for many reasons, especially if your team might be picking number one in the NBA draft, and especially for Oklahoma State's tournament chances, they need him to make a run. Number two, Michigan rolled over Michigan State 69-50. Michigan getting their revenge, avenging their loss to Illinois, and uh, Michigan State, I would say, I'd said before, if they had split these this series, that would probably put them in the tournament. Based on that game, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. And Michigan clinches the outright Big Ten championship. Uh, regular season championship with that win. Number 13, Kansas survived a non-conference game against UTEP, 67-62. Yeah, Kansas only had 20 points at the halftime here. They were down by a lot, and I've heard it said a lot. Do not schedule out-of-conference games to replace your games late in the season if they cannot help you in any way possible. A UTEP win does not move your resume up, but a, UTEP, but a loss to UTEP moves it way down. Number 15, Texas beat... Oklahoma ranked number 16, but reeling three losses this week alone, 69-65. This was a really close game. Texas made a big run. Oklahoma made a big run to clap back, and eventually game ended on some game-clinching free throws and a missed three, uh, another one that's very important for seeding. 
And finally, number five, Iowa absolutely destroyed Nebraska, 102-64. I think if Nebraska hadn't gotten two wins in a row, this game might have been close, but I think Iowa had a reason to take Nebraska seriously, and let's just say they're a lot more talented. All right, let's uh, now move to your player of the week. I gave it to Moses Wright from Georgia Tech. He averaged 30 points, 15 rebounds, three and a half assists, two blocks, and a steal in Georgia Tech's two big wins that are moving them up into the tournament field. He also played 41 and a half minutes on average in those two games, which, by the way, there are only 40 minutes in a regulation game, so it's a little crazy to average above the regulation amount. All 40 minutes against Syracuse and 43 in the overtime win against Duke. So with that recap of a whole slew of important games, in terms of the NCAA tournament selection committee seating, uh, bubbles, who's in, who's out, conference tournament seatings, um, we've really been focused lately on the impact of that action on bubble teams. Uh, and let's continue that with a little more week, little more than a week until selection Sunday. Let's continue that focus, Patrick. Take a look at your current view of the NCAA tournament bubble prospects, and let's start with the teams that are your last four buys in the tournament. It is UConn, VCU, Drake, and Georgia Tech. Uh, I would say the the one of note there is Drake. I think they have the biggest chance to drop out of the picture if they lost in their conference tournament. All right, let's move to your last four teams into the NCAA tournament. Colorado State, Michigan State, Xavier, and Boise State. I would say same deal here. The the mid-major conference teams have the, have the biggest chance, especially Boise State, of missing out on the tournament with a loss early in their conference tournament. And then your first four teams out of the tournament, which, as we've mentioned, this year has some special significance, given that they're going to be on a so-called waiting list uh, for the NCAA tournament in case one of the teams in the 68-team field has COVID issues uh, and can't play. These teams would then step up in rank order uh, to actually fill out the tournament field. So who do you have in your first four out? Seton Hall, Utah State, St. Louis, and SMU. And your next four out uh, of the tournament, which might be teams on the outside looking in right now. Duke, Syracuse, Indiana, and Memphis. And do you care to talk about uh, any of the key games coming up this week? I'd love to run down uh, that action and see what, what games in the next few days um, will impact the bubble. Obviously, excluding tournament uh, conference tournaments, which uh, end this weekend that result in an auto bid that we'll get to later. So we'd love to get your thoughts on some of the upcoming games, starting in the ACC, Georgia Tech at Wake Forest on Friday and Duke at North Carolina on Saturday. Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, this is a game where Georgia Tech, if they win, it does literally nothing for their resume but put another <laughs> win in the win column. Uh, but if they lose, it would be catastrophic for their season. I think they'll be able to pull it out pretty easily. Uh, this game actually is today, but it, I think it actually might even be in progress now, but we are not mentioning it because it's in progress. <laughs> <laughs> and Duke at UNC, what are your thoughts on that game? This is obviously a huge rivalry game, but in terms of the wider applications of this game's result this year, I think a loss for North Carolina most likely slides them into the last four buys, although they have probably done enough to get their bid into the NCAA tournament regardless of the result uh, for a multitude of reasons. They have a signature win. They don't really have any bad losses. Uh, however, if Duke does not win this game, they would need a deep ACC tournament run to make the tournament, the, the NCAA tournament. A loss would drop them to the 7th or 8th team out from their current spot as the 5th team out. But a win would bring them up almost into the field. I would say that they would almost be sitting at maybe the 1st, 2nd, or 3rd team out if, and maybe if Michigan State loses, Xavier loses, Boise State loses, if all those teams 
lose ahead of them, they would make the field. What do you think Duke needs to do beyond beating North Carolina to get into the field, if the, assuming they beat them? I think, I think I'm pretty sure they're still currently slated into the 8-9 game in the ACC tournament, which would be against Syracuse. I don't know if Syracuse's net ranking is high enough, quite high enough to make that uh, a top 50 game on a neutral court. But if it is, that quad one, an extra quad one win wouldn't hurt at all. That would probably be enough. If they played Florida State close, who I assume will end up as the one seed, uh, after beating Syracuse, I think that would be just enough based off of how I think the rest of the games will turn out to get them in. But they would also definitely need to beat North Carolina, and I don't know the likelihood that they will beat North Carolina or that they will beat Syracuse, and I don't know that they will stay close with Florida State, so there's a lot of ifs there. And if they were to beat Florida State, I think they would safely be in, even if they did lose to North Carolina, because it would be a signature, signature win on their resume. All right, and in the Atlantic 10, this is uh, conference tournament action. St. Louis plays St. Bonaventure, and VCU plays Davidson in semifinal action on Saturday. So obviously, as is our policy, I discussed this a little bit, I did not update the actual... Last four buys, last four in categories for today because not every team has completed their game, so it doesn't really make sense to do that. However, way earlier in the day, because these games start at 8 a.m. in our time, uh, VCU beat Dayton in the tournament, 73-68, to and St. Louis beat UMass, 86-72. The semifinals, as you said, will include Davidson against VCU and St. Louis against St. Bonaventure. All four of these teams are in conversation, are in serious conversation for a bid. Without getting the auto bid from winning the tournament, I would say Davidson would need to beat VCU and hope for a lot of help from teams like Michigan State and Boise State and others, losing to maybe even have a slight chance of getting in. They really probably would need to win the tournament. On the other hand, I would say St. Bonaventure and VCU, by virtue of their wins today and not having a bad loss, uh, are, are have secured their spot. Um, St. Louis needs at least the win against St. Bonaventure to give themselves a pretty good chance with some limited help from s- some other bubble teams. Though, of course, for all of these teams, winning the tournament will give them the automatic bid. However, if you want to look at this from a perspective not of the A-10, I would say if you're Michigan State, if you're Indiana, if you're Duke, if you're SMU, etc., you want VCU or St. Bonaventure to win because of the concept that is called bid-stealing, in quotes. Uh, if Davidson wins, that eliminates a bid from the bubble pretty much because that's a proje- that's a protected spot that wouldn't go to a team that that's already in the field. So in theory, the A-10 currently has two teams in, but if Davidson were to win the conference tournament, I would say VCU and Bonaventure still stay in, which means that the A-10 gets three teams and the bubble shrinks by a team. That would be catastrophic for a team like Michigan State. So what you're saying is if you're a major conference team who's on the bubble, you're going to be watching this action very closely. You you game. should you should want VCU and St. Bonaventure to be in the final, and, and if that happens, you don't care who wins. Okay. Uh, let's move on to some bubble-related action in the Big East. Seton Hall at St. John's and Xavier at Marquette, both games on Saturday. Seton Hall will be playing with their tournament lives on the line, although they will still have a chance to make it if they lose. I just, it's, it's still a pretty important game. Uh, and St. John's will try to play spoiler to Seton Hall's season while also maybe working themselves back onto the framework of the bubble and into the picture with a win. Uh, St. John's, as we've said, they have a win against Villanova. Uh, they have some quality wins on their resume, but a few of the losses are questionable, so a win against Seton Hall might 
uh, solidify that a little bit more. And Xavier Marquette kind of has that same outlook. They are also in the same category. They are near the same category as Seton Hall. Only two team, only one team in between them actually. Though one is in the though, though Xavier is in the last four in, and Seton Hall is in the first four out. They are only two teams apart. Uh, it's really similar. But Xavier is playing with their lives on the line, as I said with Seton Hall, while Marquette is also playing similar to St. John's with the chance to work back onto the bubble with some signature wins that they had early in the year over Wisconsin and also a recent win over North Carolina. They do have the wins, but their record is 12-13, and 13, and that's not good enough. All right, let's move to the Big Ten with a couple matchups between ranked opponents and teams on the bubble. Indiana, and they're both in-state rivalries, by the way, Indiana it closes out its regular season at number 23, Purdue, on Saturday. And Michigan State closes out its regular season hosting number two, Michigan, on Sunday in a rematch of Thursday night's game. Indiana absolutely needs this win. And with it plus one more in the Big Ten tournament, they would have a lot of quality wins and a 500 record, which would be a very compelling case to the committee. I think you might remember that in 2019, actually, Indiana ended up, I think, 18 and 16. And they were in the la- they were in the first four out, according to the committee. But I think this is a different year, less non-conference games. So I think if you were to convert that record, it probably ends up at around a game below 500, maybe at 500. So this is probably a pretty comparable uh, result. So maybe they just have to hope, again, that a Davidson kind of a deal doesn't... A, a Davidson kind of a team does not win their conference tournament, steal some extra bids... But I think if they were to get this win over Purdue, win another one in the Big Ten tournament, and then win an extra game after their first game they play, that would be a win over, I think, based off of how the tournament works, that would be a win over Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State, Iowa, or Purdue. One of those five, at least four of those five teams will be in the top four. So if you could get a win over one of those teams that are in one and two seed categories, plus this win on against Purdue and then maybe bow your head out to Michigan or Illinois later on in the tournament, I think that would be enough if you're one game above 500 for the committee to consider them. However, one loss, and I think it's all over for this team. And what about Michigan State and their rematch with Michigan? I think Michigan State also, not not to the degree that Indiana does, but they do need this win. Uh, it would be It would solidify their resume easily. If they could beat Michigan, uh, bid stealing would not prevent them from getting a bid. In that case, this would be their third signature win, actually, after beating Ohio State and Illinois recently. And I would say, eye test-wise, if they were even able to just make this game close, they can. the committee will have to consider the fact that they beat two teams that will likely end up in the top eight overall seeds on the one and two seed lines and also stayed close with one of the teams on the one seed line in one game that they played against in this season, although the one on Thursday was not very close. So I think eye test-wise, that would be probably enough, and they would maybe, if they win one game in the in the Big Ten tournament, I think they would be, I think they're also in kind of that 8-9-ish range. Maybe they might even actually get a rematch with Indiana. Um, that would be enough, I would think, to put them in, as long as they keep close with Michigan in this game. Uh so on the other like, hand, it sounds like Indiana's fate. Really, I mean, Michigan State's fate almost turns on what happens in their first round of the Big Ten tournament. It, it pretty much does. Uh, they need to. They need to. If their seating is high enough that they're playing a a bad team in a seven ten game or something like that, they can't lose that game. But if they are playing in an eight nine game, I would say even a loss there 
you still have a compelling case. On the other hand, on the complete opposite side of the bracket at the very top, Michigan guarantees a one seed with a win because overall body of work, no matter how bad they look, if they were to lose by 50 in the Big Ten tournament, the deal would be there that Michigan, by the way the Big Ten tournament works, would be losing to an 8 or a 9 seed in that tournament, and that would be a team like Michigan State, Rutgers, Indiana, Maryland. So still Ooh, probably so still probably a quad one win, and they would all be over teams that Michigan has already beaten. So that would also mean that a win against Michigan State would guarantee the record at 20-3. and three. And when you look at the teams right below them, they would have half as many losses as, as all of the teams below them. And the committee is working off of overall body of work. So you can't really justify putting Illinois at six losses, Ohio State at seven losses, Iowa at seven losses, or West Virginia at six, and se- six or seven losses above a Michigan team who won their conference with three losses on the season. Can't so, justify so it. So while some people might see not a lot riding on this game for Michigan, given that they locked up an outright conference championship, to your point, they can probably wrap up an overall number one seed yeah. in the NCAA tournament here. Yep. Conversely, Michigan State could probably lock up a bid. So still a compelling matchup on Sunday in the Big Ten. Let's move to the Mountain West, where Colorado State is at Nevada on Friday night and Utah State is at Fresno State on Saturday. I don't think there's anything really special of these games. Uh, obviously, if you know the college basketball landscape, or actually if you don't, you would probably even be more inclined to say these games don't matter. <laughs> um these are take-care-of-your-business games is how I would describe them. Colorado State, you absolutely have to win against Nevada, although Nevada actually did sweep Boise State in their season series. So Nevada's not no slouch of a team. That would be a, a pretty decent win. No quad one win or anything, but it would be a decent one. Utah State's got to beat Fresno State to keep themselves in the same place. Probably doesn't move them up at all, but still keeps them in, 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 good, in a good place. All right, and let's wrap up our uh, bubble pre- bubble significant game preview of the weekend. Uh, in the AAC, Memphis is at Houston on Sunday. Uh, Houston needs this win. I would say if they get this win, they significantly improve their chances of holding a two seed. If they don't, they probably fall to the three seed with a chance to, to go all the way down to a four. Memphis, on the other hand, if they are able to get this win... They could finally break the tournament, break into the bubble, actually. I have them as the eighth team out of the tournament in my next four out. But that is, over Houston would be a huge win. And really, these 16 teams on the bubble, I think, maybe narrowing it down to the last four in and behind that, there's really not much separation. So a big win, again, like a Michigan State beating Michigan, it brings you up so much on your resume. So Memphis getting a win over Houston would might even move them into the field, especially if Michigan State were to lose or if Xavier were to lose. All right, well, moving, uh, staying in college basketball, but moving from teams with some uncertainty and who might be scoreboard watching and dealing with all kinds of scenarios and what-ifs and net rankings, pretty simply, we've got some, auto, we've got some conference tournaments that are wrapping up this weekend or Monday uh, that the, the winner knows that they're in the NCAA tournament. Let's take a... Quick look at those and hear your predictions. First in the Atlantic Sun Conference championship game is on Sunday. I have Liberty winning this conference. They actually, if anybody remembers, I think it was in the 2019 tournament, they almost pulled off a big upset against Mississippi State. They were one of the most popular 12-5 upset picks of all time, really. Um, and they have a similar team makeup and really could make could make another run at around the 12 or 13 seed range. Definitely a team to look out for when it comes to the NCAA tournament. 
All right, another championship game on Sunday is in the Big South Conference. Who do you have there, Patrick? I have Winthrop. I mean, they lost one game in the entire season, and the team that beat them is not in the tournament still. So I think they're pretty safe to win this one. I'm definitely not picking against them. (laughs) Also on Sunday, the Missouri Valley Conference uh, championship wraps up. Um, Interesting little note here, Drake, who Patrick has uh, on the bubble as one of his last four buys. As of now, they get to the semifinals uh, due to a forfeit by Northern Iowa. They had a COVID test in one of their staff members, and, and then contact tracing didn't have enough players to field a team on Friday. So uh, they get a forfeit in their in Friday's scheduled quarterfinal game and move automatically to the semis. Um, who do you have in the Missouri Valley Conference, Patrick? Well, first I would like to address that Drake that Drake situation. I think that's really important and honestly a really good string of luck for them because uh, losing in the semifinals of your conference tournament looks a lot better than losing in the quarterfinals, especially when you have the per- the team who I am picking, Loyal Chicago, in the tournament. I think if you lose in the semifinals, I think they might still have enough on their resume with barely any losses on the year to stay in the field, whereas if they had lost in the quarterfinals, that would be a bad loss. Hopefully, Drake... I, I like to see the mid-majors in, so hopefully Drake makes it to the final with Loyal Chicago, plays them close and they both get in. Then again, they may have been denied an opportunity over a weaker opponent to get a win that would only bolster the resume, but we will see what happens. Um, let's talk about the Ohio Valley Conference, which actually wraps up its championship game on Saturday. Who do you have there? I have Belmont. Uh, Belmont was was a team that everybody was picking, another team that everybody was picking in the last tournament to make some big upsets. If anybody remembers this conference, you probably remember this random guy named John Morant that walked through here a few years ago on a team called Murray State. Unfortunately for anybody thinking that that team is back in, they are not in. They got eliminated from the conference tournament. But Belmont is still here. They actually made the tournament that year too, but nobody knows who they were. (laughs) Uh, I'm picking them. They only have two losses on the year, I think, three losses. Uh, This will be the first team that is guaranteed in the NCAA tournament. I mean, we know that Gonzaga and Michigan, etc. will be in. But this is the first team that you can actually write on a bracket and say, Belmont is in the tournament. All right, well, let's wrap it up. We've got two other conferences where you will be able to say somebody is in the tournament. The Southern Conference, who do you have predicted to win that tournament and get the auto bid? If anybody knows me, they know that I picked Wofford to beat Kentucky and go to the Sweet 16 three years ago, and they almost did it, lost by two. I still think there were some questionable calls in that game, and I reserved that. You don't hold a grudge. And that, no, I do not. (laughs) And I think also that was one of my greatest bracket triumphs of all time because nobody even had them winning their first round game as a mid-major conference team against a major conference team in the 7-10 game. I'm not going to pick against them. I love Wofford. I'll take Wofford over UNCG in the finals. All right, and in the Sun Belt Conference, who do you have there? I have Texas State, and the reason why is because I saw a video of them celebrating their coach had tested positive for covid and he came up in the car behind the arena. He didn't coach the game. He did not coach the game, but he came up in a car with the windows rolled up to celebrate outside, <laughs> inside of his car, with his team members on the outside of his car, celebrating the regular season championship. I'll pick Texas State for the good story. Yeah, that was that was a great scene there. One of many great scenes this year. All right, well, that wraps up this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please join us for our next podcast, which will be on Monday, March 8th where we will, as always, review the past week's NBA action. We'll continue our discussion of college basketball as we head into the last week of action before Selection Sunday, and we'll check out the accuracy of Patrick's weekend predictions, which you can find on our website, 4thand24.com, along with additional content, including Patrick's NCAA tournament, bracket predictions, 
That's on our website, 4th and 24, which is the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.